back to another episode of Persuasion by the Pint. I'm Jonathan Taylor, along with Sean McCool. Sean, today we've got a um, guest that's going to be joining us here shortly. We're not sure if he has a beverage, but uh, we're going to get into a discussion of a very fascinating story. He's written a book called Charlatan. Some of you may be familiar with it, but um, for those of you who don't, pretty interesting biography of a guy that uh, was was quite the entrepreneur, I guess. It's <laughs> one way to put it. That's, yeah. It's <laughs> um, um, one way to put it. I will say this. We, we, we may get the, the E rating because we... We're going to be saying the F word. The uh, Yes. Yes. Flim flam. Flim flam. <laughs> that old so, flim yeah. flam. The age yeah, of flim little, flam. The age of flim flam. That tells you we're going way back in time. Yeah. Uh, to, we pulled this story out of the history books or our guests did. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see like, you know, why he picked this and, you know, kind of the story behind the story. Um, but yeah, it's like... We'd like to delve in every once in a while, Jonathan, to the, to the darker side. To the seedy, to the seedy <laughs> world of, uh, yes. of uh, hucksterism, I guess. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so we're going to be talking about John Brinkley. The, uh, he was Dr. John Brinkley, uh, The Story of America's Most Dangerous Huckster um, by Pope Barack. He's written a book called Charlatan. It's been out a while. Fabulous book. I actually stumbled upon this book after reading... Um, you know, Dan Kennedy's book uh, years ago called Make Them Believe. Yes. And he referenced this book. He said it was outstanding. So actually, I read it, uh, a good chunk of it, actually on a plane ride. Um, and uh, it was fascinating, really captivating. Yeah. So it's not only about the, the story of the, I guess, the swindler, but also the guy that went after him so it's kind of a okay kind of a really kind of a fun kind ride. of a catch me if you can sort of exactly. story right yep. yeah exactly do you remember that movie um, yeah i sure do yeah yeah so i have not read the book so you'll be driving some of the conversation i did uh i did use our friend chat gpt to come up with some questions yeah. so uh you know let's back up by the way we'll get into our beverages here maybe we can come back to this at the end of the show but okay. have you seen the new video creator that OpenAI just no launched. Not. It's called Sora. S O R A. Okay. Um, it will do full blown video clips like B roll footage, right? With just a text prompt, and it will create entire video scenes. Oh wow! Like, yeah, it's pretty wild. It's not available to the public yet, but they've shown it, um, and they've started rolling it out to some beta users and different niches yeah so yeah it's uh but they do have a samples on their website so maybe at the end if we have time we'll, oh, we'll show absolutely. some of those um, but yeah let's let's uh let's talk about beverages all right well today i've got a uh, this is from four hands brewing company it is a beautiful uh chocolate milk stout oh nice um i don't know much about it. i couldn't find anything on their website about this one but uh it uh, looks like 6% ABV. Um, it, it's a milk stout, so it's got to be good, right? I mean, yeah, can't, it's hard to screw those up. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see, though. 
How about you? Well, I've got um, from St. Arnold's Brewing here in Texas, Texas' oldest craft brewery. Okay. I've got a juicy IPA. Juicy. It is tropical and citrusy <laughs> and bursting with hops. Come on, Sean. I know, right? I, well, here's why I did it. It was on the clearance track. It was 99 cents. I was like... 99 cents. <laughs> for the... You know, it was 99 cents for the for the single. So oh, I'm like, okay. gotcha. I'm like, okay, All I'll right. give it a try. It's it is a juicy IPA, so it's more fruit than yeah. tree or plant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it, it, I'm looking at the screen here. It's only 37 or 32 IBUs. So, I don't know. Yeah, um, could be curious. tricky. I mean, I don't know. It's um, I don't know. But, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't know you were a guy that get caught. Yeah, there you go. Look at that. Di- look at the difference. Yeah, <laughs> a little haze so, going there. Yeah. Um, so that's all it takes, man. Ninety nine cent beer, and you're you're yeah. on it. That's right. <laughs> well, I pulled out a a quad ale. Yeah. That was more than that. So I kind of had to balance the scales a little bit to, you know, to have a beer. But I'll have the quad ale probably next week. Um, yeah. So yeah, let's. Um, Toast it up. We're like I said, we're not sure if our uh, our guest has a beverage. If he does, we will toast with him once again. But if not, we'll go ahead. So, cheers. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna say this is not bad. It's not overpowering like spruce tree or pine tree. Yeah, it's definitely more juicy. Um, got the citrus. It does have that hoppy aftertaste, which I don't love. Right. But it's not like hits you in the face hops like, you know, a lot of the IPAs are. So um, I'm going to give this a mm, 2.8. A 2.8. Okay. Yeah. That's that's about what, right where a... That's where an IPA, IPA lives belongs. on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so not terrible, but... You know, between not 1.8, order. 2.8. That's a good, that's a good. Uh, yeah. If I was, if I had ordered this at a restaurant, I would not be ordering a second. I'll tell you that. So <laughs> one's enough for me. Thank you. Yes. I'll, I'll switch to Guinness now. Thank you. <laughs> um, I actually really thought about getting a, um, a Guinness today, but, uh, yeah. decided I'd hold off on this one after I saw yeah. this one. I'm actually going to give this, um, I'm going to give this stout a, um, I'm going to give it a nice four four point six on our sh- on our show rating. Four point okay. six, very good. All right, I love it. Well, I see. Uh, I see in the green room, Pope just popped into the green room, so we'll uh, we can see you, Pope. I know you, uh, and you can see us, but we can't hear you yet. We'll pull you on here in just a second. I think we're ready. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, we are. All right, let's let's do a quick sound check here with Pope. Well, hello, Pope, Mr. Brock. Okay. Um, did you have a beverage or you just gonna, I have water. That's about all I can. Uh, okay. Well, so we'll just pick up, um, I guess we'll just pick up Jonathan with an intro. Do you have an intro? Yeah. So we've got, um, Pope Brock. He's the author of the book, Charlatan, America's most dangerous huckster, the man who pursued him and the age of flim flam. So this is a fascinating story of, uh, John Brinkley, America's most brazen con man. And we'll get into how he became <laughs> super wealthy. Um, I don't know. I guess you could kind of put uh, 
doctor in quotes a little bit there because of uh, he was more of a, a quack than anything. Um, interesting story. Uh, I stumbled upon your book like a couple of years ago and read it. It was fascinating just from start to finish how this man got to the point where he was. And then also the story of Morris Fishbein or Fishbein. I, I don't know how you would pronounce that. Fishbein, yeah. Fishbein, the guy that um, ultimately was trying to hunt him down. It's it's an incredible story. I want to get into it. But first, we want to kind of talk about yourself. You know, what led you to write this book? And tell us a little bit about your background and in writing, because you've authored a number of books, but this is, this is obviously one that caught my eye years ago and it's it's a pretty popular because i know it's been it's referenced a lot in our circles the circles that sean and i go in sean's a copywriter um we're both into marketing and and we talk about that on a regular basis um so what led you to i guess writing a book like this i was browsing a website called the museum of hoaxes yeah (laughs) and uh it had you know, just all different kinds of things you can imagine from April Fool's hoaxes on. And um, I stumbled and it was just one line. It said, Dr. John Brinkley, uh, goat testicles, million watt radio station. Yeah. And, and I said, who is this dude? You know, so, <laughs> I started, you know digging into it and uh, I was delighted with what I found and very grateful that nobody had actually uh, done a book on it, you know, to, uh, of any uh, in mainstream, in mainstream publishing. So I was glad to get it. Yeah. Uh, how much research did you have to put into uh, this character? Cause we're talking about someone, this was around 1917. Um, so it was kind of around the, a uh, little after the turn of the century. Um, and it was kind of during an age of you hear a lot of those old school radio ads and and people selling everything from I mean it was like I guess maybe a little after the whole snake oil um, you know era but uh, you could still get away with a lot of stuff so which, which was a real thing by the way snake oil there <laughs> <laughs> was you know, there was a, a guy who squeezed snakes right at the Columbia Exposition just getting that in there. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, this obviously early on, um, was this guy a real doctor? I guess that's, that's one of my questions. <laughs> well, um, he improvisationally, I mean, he, he, he wound up with a couple of, um, fake diplomas to the yeah, degree right. that makes you a doctor, one from Italy and uh, somewhere out West. Um, did, actually graduate from anything reputable no but uh back then the ama was so weak that you could get away with stuff like that in a way that you couldn't possibly now so since you've you know i'm not going to give the since you're the writer i want you to kind of give the background of the story of john brinkley um and kind of what led him or leading up to him being kind of this master um, salesman, so to speak. And when we talk about salesmen selling um, cures for, for everything under the sun, but the main thing he was looking at was um, it was impotence, right? I mean, that was the main thing that he was, <laughs> he was targeting. That, that was it. Yeah. And, uh, 
of all things, you know, to hit the, uh, the cure that he recommended is just completely bizarre. I mean, we think about that today in our age and it just sounds like, how could anybody get suckered into uh, something like that? But I want you to start off with the foundation, maybe share the story. Well, he, um, he was, uh, just scrabbling along in, uh, Kansas without any, um, handhold really. And he wanted to get rich. That was his main ambition. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, then, you know, there's the origin story of this farmer wandering in, and this is a small town, Milford, Kansas. Um, farmer wanders in and he goes through various euphemisms and says, you know, that he can't get it up. And then, um, the story goes that, then you know, he looked out the window of Brinkley's office, and there were goats out there in the uh, in the yard or the in the out in the back. And he said, "I wish I had goat nuts." And uh, <laughs> the penny dropped, you know, yeah. or the million dollars dropped. And um, now, whether you know, it was in the air in that there were reputable people working with monkeys and so on over in Europe, um, not working on impotence exactly, but who thought they could uh, rejuvenate people, get them to live longer and whatnot. Sure. This This was the down home American Midwest quack version of that idea. And it was perfectly tailored, of course, to the farm community, right? Because there were, there were the goats. Um, he took that idea, combined it with, uh, an early understanding that radio could sell it, yeah. put two things together, and um, made himself um, mega rich, you know, and very famous. I'm I'm curious, Pope. So this was like 1917, right? Pretty. I mean, was it fairly, was it still fairly conservative? Like how, I'm curious, I have not read the book yet, like Jonathan has, but I'm curious, like, how do you do a radio ad about impotence in a time that was, and I'm assuming that was fairly conservative? Yeah, uh, you would think, but if you go back to the transcripts of him and the recordings, there are still some some excellent recordings of him talking on the radio. He's amazingly frank. and. And uh, it's going out. Part of how he was able to do it, I think, is because radio was so odd and unusual in that it seemed like a friend talking to you, you know. Mm-hmm. So he had these people in their farmhouses and whatnot, either in rural communities or really isolated, but they had their radios and they'd be lying there at night, say, and listening to Brinkley who could just unspool this stuff, you know, just, just, I'm your friend, I'm your friend, and here I can, I, I know it's hard, I know it's difficult, I know that right there beside you, you've got somebody who, that sort of stuff, you know, and, yeah. and people responded to that because it was so personal. And I think we have to remember that in that age of radio, there was a lot of, like it wasn't music like we have now as much as it was storytelling news. You know, I think of, I mean, obviously this was later, but Paul Harvey comes to mind just as, as that type of mm-hmm. voice that kind of carried over from that era. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So it, it was, it was, I mean, that was TV back then, right? That was the early version of TV is the storytelling was on the radio, not absolutely was it visual. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense. Um, 
that. So how did you, so you said you solved things. How did you start getting into the research for the book? What, what were some of the most surprising things you found? Cause I mean, it's, a, it's a pretty quick story. You know, you could summarize it pretty quickly, but I mean, you end up writing hundreds of pages on it. Yeah. So what are some of the things you found and how did you go about digging into this? <laughs> Well, I went places, you know, I went to, uh, I, I went to Kansas. Milford is now at the bottom of a dam. So you, it's not like you can go to that town. But um, uh, I did go to Del Rio, which is where he went afterwards, you know, and into Mexico where he also, I mean, we can get into the chronology of it, but he, he wound up going down into Mexico and setting up a bigger radio station there. So there are archives there. There's his, um, there, there's a museum at Del Rio that has uh, a lot of stuff. The, um, uh, the Kansas Historical Society in Topeka is the biggest trove. They've got a massive stuff that they've collected from all over the place. And, um, you know, I found a couple of just wisps, you know, just a couple of people who were actually connected to it in some way, nursing home yeah. type finds. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I put it together that way. And, and the AMA files, you know, just standard standard research, legwork, Mars Fishbein's son, stuff like that. It was fun. It was a lot of fun to do. Yeah. I think that's one thing people underestimate. I mean, we, you know, we talk a lot about marketing and I'm a, I've been a copywriter for 15 years, Jonathan's in sales. And we, we say over and over on this show how important research is. And I don't think people really get it. Yeah. You know, and, and going beyond Google and, and things like that to some of the nuance that you pick up Talk a little bit about that. Like what kind of, what's one of your favorite things that happened on your, rec- one of your research trips? Ooh, well, let's see. Uh, we're going to have to come back to that because I'm, I'm going to. Or more surprising. Like, was there anything like, was there anything that really surprised you in your research? Well, I was surprised. Yeah. At the extent of, um, and how smart he was. Mm-hmm. The quack part was obvious. Yeah. Right. You know, the way, but his marketing was absolutely brilliant and pioneering in this way, this way, this way, this way, and this way, you know, that really knocked me out. The fact that, that he could think, okay, uh, pre-recorded interviews, or, okay, I bring in, um, I bring in a spirit medium and uh, people selling autographed pictures of Christ and this will get people to listen to me and uh, all, all the, the, the sort of, the surrounding um, uh, surrounding elements that he, that he put together to create what seemed like a big radio family, you know, a whole world that you could enter, and the, then the, the you know then the selling became part of getting uh, entertained, and getting informed, and, and making new friends, and 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 all of that. That was the the kind of radio he put together. But then he had the once he got chased out of the United States, when he went down to uh, Mexico with a suitcase full of cash for the for the Mexico City government and set up a, a radio station of a million watts, I, I mean that's just astounding. <laughs> it is. I mean, he went over half the world. Wow. He, he was wiping out. Uh, he was wiping out the Grand Old Opera. He was wiping out everything. You know, with the with that footprint i've got some of his old um 
uh, some I've got a collection of his, some of his old radio ads that I found. I think I sent a link to you, Sean. I think this was probably last year, but I found I was digging around and it was after reading your book, Pope. I went digging around, seeing if I could find a collection. And there was one site that was selling him like several MP3s. And mm-hmm. so it's a fascinating though, because it's his ads are sometimes in between and I'm sure they ran on uh, all over, but it, it's, it's interesting how some of them are like buried right in between like some, it sounds like gospel music or old time music. And all of a sudden, you know, here comes uh, John Brink, a John Brinkley ad in there and just talking, like you said, matter of fact, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, Matter of fact, like, this yeah, is, this makes complete sense. So, um, he had this thing called medical question box going, which helped yeah. make the thing even more personal. You'd write in, you know, I've got a pain here or whatever, and then people would write in and he would read some of these things on the air and prescribe uh, imaginary medicines for them that he weren't imaginary in that they, they were real bottles imaginary cures in them, you know, yeah. but he would, he would sell, he, he, he wow. added to his fortune that way. Oh yeah. He was selling potions and all sorts of stuff on the side. I mean, outside of his surgery, you know, <laughs> go testicle surgery. Um, you know, why not, <laughs> why not have some other things that you can sell <laughs> along with? Yeah, it, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Why, why confine yourself? Once you've got a miracle cure, something yeah. begins to just bleed out. And an audience, right? Right. And an audience. That's right. Yeah. So that's interesting. You, you talked about how he had other people. So he was kind of creating his version of a, of, of a, you know, what we might call today a social network platform where he was kind of creating his own, you know, version of YouTube or TikTok or whatever, you know, yeah. and, and just kind of managing it. Um, was when he had the the million watch station, was he doing regular radio advertising, uh, like uh, programming, and then just putting his own commercials in, or was it just like wall to wall his friends' stuff? Or well, it was a combination of of um, uh, as I, I said, uh, mediums and um, uh, people selling um, color back hair dye things like that. Um, mixed in with um, with music acts and some comedy here and there. I mean, the Carter family got famous on his radio station, on his Mexican radio station, wow. and uh, a number of other um, country acts. I mean, one of the unintended consequences of his, um, of his efforts was to send country music all over the United States. And that, I mean, that, you know, that's a massive cultural achievement or development even though that was it all he had in mind was selling quack medicine so for our listeners who may not be familiar with kind of radio and wattage how does a million watt station compare to what was around at the time well when he hmm, um i think fifty thousand was the outside limit of anything that was going on in the United States. Wow. Um, so that's it. 20, 20 X. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty incredible. Um, so I'm curious, like how did, when you wrote this book originally, like 
who was the audience you were thinking about for it? And then who, who surprised you as far as like the response and like, um, cause I see it got turned into a documentary as well. Right. Or yeah. Based on- it, it did. Yeah. It did. Um, it, it's called nuts in capital letters. <laughs> um, and and it, it's great. If I can just plug the documentary for a second, yeah. it, it's told partially with animation and it's very inventive. It's good. Um, uh, who, who responded to it? Um, well, lots of people who said, you know, I heard about it and I thought, ew. And then, and then somebody I know read it and said, no, you just, just try it. But, oh, oh, well, this was actually, um, this is actually not only, you know, funny or odd or something, but really informative about some um, foundational American history stuff. I mean, you don't get, frankly, doesn't come up in textbooks, as you might well imagine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but he should. And for some of the uh, of his innovations, some of his genuine innovations, he should. Yeah. You, you mentioned one time you said some of his marketing stuff and now you've said innovations. Like what's an example of, of something that he did? I mean, you said the kind of the friends, what's another one that he found surprising and is like, Oh wow, that's ahead of its time. Well, he, he, he transcribed, um, his own, um, uh, he began to trans once he was in Texas and then, uh, in, um, and then working out of Mexico, he didn't live in Mexico. He lived uh, just across the border in Texas. And he uh, began to think, I don't have to spend all this time in the studio. I can, uh, I can, I can, I'm trying to remember now what it was he cut them on with some kind of hard material that, that he could um, uh, transcribe his own raps on. And then he began to transcribe um, singers on, and he would ship these things to you know, across the river, and um, and broadcast them. And so the point it was the illusion of being live. That wow. that was new. Yeah. That, uh, and and you know that's that's big. That's that's a big development. Yeah, because it's one thing to be a marketer, but to invent kind of a a tool or whatever that makes you you know be able to available more often with less effort. I mean, that's very entrepreneurial. It is. Sure. It is. It is indeed. Yeah. yeah. So what was it that caught the, uh, I guess the ire of this, uh, the quack buster Morris Fishbein, what, you know, you know, what, what got him involved to the degree that he made it his focus on bringing this guy down? Well, the difficulty, uh, around, his uh, around Brinkley's signature procedure, which was this Goatland operation, mm-hmm. um, and just so we got the visual here. It was one of those Frankenstein things, or Frankenstein, or is it the Bride of Frankenstein. One of those things where you bring in the patient, you bring in the goat. Yeah. They're both in the same room, and then you transfer the testicles. Right. Um, the problem with this was that. Um, not everybody survived those operations. Right. That, that's and, unfortunate. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was the you know cost of doing business, but um, it, it, it more would have survived if he hadn't um, 
drunk quite as much as he did. But, but even then, you know, a certain number were, gonna, were, were, were either killed or they got locked or they got, you know, they. Yes. So, uh, and, and, and some of these people, I mean, as, as entertaining as the whole thing kind of is, he was, the harm he did was, um, it was pretty vicious. I mean, he ruined some lives with yeah. this. Um, and, and that's what got Morris Fishbein, who was the um, editor of the Journal of the American Medical Association, which at that time was little more than a pamphlet. Yeah. Um, that, that's what got him so exercised. I've, I've got to stop this guy. He's not just a quack. He's a killer. Yeah. So that, that's why he made it his crusade to, to bring him down. Did any of the, uh, um, yeah, did any of the surgeries actually work, like even from a placebo effect that we know of? I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. It, look, if there's anything that a placebo effect is going to work on, it, it's going to be erectile dysfunction, right? Yeah. It's the, now, it's the ideal, uh, it's, it's the ideal problem. Um to, to have if to you know for a practitioner um, to to up his success rate. Yeah, I actually was reading a book or listening to a book last night, and it was talking a little bit about placebo effects, and it was actually saying that the larger the procedure, like you go from a pill to a surgery, like the stronger the placebo effect. Oh, is that right? That, yeah. That I didn't um, so that, that's it. And they're actually finding that placebo effects work on dogs now. Oh, interesting. So it's not just a human thing. It's like something, you know, even oh. beyond that is, is happening. So kind of, kind of fascinating the whole placebo world and, you know, how much, how much power the mind has. Um, so I could see how, you know, <laughs> I guess, I mean, I totally get it. Like there's similar stuff going on now. I don't know if you've heard of this Pope, but there are, um, poop transplant, fecal matter transplants. It's like a legitimate, like, or currently legitimate. (laughs) We'll say that process where somebody with a very healthy gut biome will transfer their fecal matter to someone else's intestines. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's like, there's, there are sites that will, if you qualify, will pay you like $500 per sample. All right. Your, the object of this is to uh, replace your bad one with somebody's good yeah. one. To, to restore your gut biome. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's crazy. It's, it sounds very similar to what we're talking about as far as like impotence. You know? yeah. and it's, so here we are a hundred years later. <laughs> How much has changed? I mean, it's not it's not one of those things where we can look back and say, "Oh, those people, they were so silly uh, or so stupid," because because it just rolls on and on and on in different forms. It's always taking different shapes. Easy to look back now, you know, yeah, hundred years later, and say, "My gosh!" But Uh, yeah, Neanderthals, what what losers, right? But. So people do crazy stuff when they're in pain. The other thing that that kept him in business really was that uh, the the placebo effect and then a number of, uh, a lot of people, there was a serious upset who were then too embarrassed to bring it up, to sue him, to, uh, you know, to fight back, or too poor to sue him, you know, that kept him going too. And some of them just wanted to believe. I mean, really. I mean, they didn't want to feel like they were duped. 
uh, oh, ultimately. Of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> look, it's, he became, um, he got, he got a kind of Christ complex that he yeah. ran, for, he ran for governor. He, 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 uh, and, and won on the numbers and was, you know, that's another story, but the, the, uh, he, when he stood there and threw his arms out and said, I know how Jesus felt, you know, I'm being persecuted by Mars Fishman. Um, then uh, uh, people just rose up, you know, yeah. and they said, yeah. you know mm. for our guy. So, yeah. Wow. And ultimately this led to, I mean, this culminated, uh, into a courtroom, um, confrontation. Tell us a little more about that, how, how that ended up. Well, um, Bridley had been through hearings, uh, before in, uh, in 1930, he lost his radio license and his, uh, and his, uh, Kansas medical license, uh, because of really through the, through the efforts of Mars Fishman as much as anything else. Um, and then, as I said before, he, he then uh, took up a practice in Mexico and uh, sort of gave all of that to Raspberry. Um, so then he went on to, um, oh God, I'm sorry, I just lost where, 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 where what was the question? I just oh, lost. Yeah, what happened in court? I mean, ultimately. Oh, the court, court, right. Yeah. In that original hearing, um, he brought in satisfied customers to, to testify. Yeah. And, um, and he had a lot of people who, who were willing to do that. Um, he, he, um, he lost there, but he assumed that when you get into a real courtroom, it was going to be a different deal. And he was, he was bringing, and he did, he brought down rows of, of quote, satisfied customers who were going to testify for him. The problem was that the judge then threw all of that out. He wouldn't let them testify. Yeah. Um, because they were not medical experts. Right. Um, and once, once the judge kicked that out from under him and only let real doctors get up and, and, and testify, then, then he was done. Uh, he, he didn't, he didn't, he had the chutzpah to sue Fishbein. That's what put them in court. He was, frankly, was so sure he was going to win. Uh, that uh, if he kept his mouth shut, he could have kept on going for yeah. you know a while. Yeah. Um, but if it was, he 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 hung himself. I mean, that's 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 amazing. It's kind of that uh, tragic uh, the the tragic story of the person that you know really it it gets they rise to a certain point, just like you said, it's kind of almost like a Jesus complex, you know, where he says uh, being crucified, you know? Um, so he, he puts himself to that level to the point where he's confident enough to go to take this to trial, to court. And, um, and ultimately right. that was, that was the wrong move. I mean, that was a big downfall. He, 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 he believed his own press too much. <laughs> No. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so Pope, I'm curious, like, where do you see, you know, there's a lot of, you know, deception, ambition, pursuit of fame. Like, where do you see that kind of playing out in today's society? Do you see similar 
do you have your eye on anything similar that you're like, ooh, that reminds me of? of well, I don't know. Do we Frankly. want to get into politics or not? <laughs> it's it's all available to you. Is it? Because yep. I, I, I just I just kind of keep banking around Trump a little bit there before, and I I, I don't want. He's kind of one of those showman type. I mean, he's he's he he throws it out there, whether it's true or not, right? I mean, I, 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 the parallels are just uh, are stark in some ways. And I, I don't know if that's something you want to get, but they, they, they are this, um, the, the, the first people, the first foreign publishers to, uh, take the rights to this thing, uh, were the, um, were the Russians and the Koreans. Mm-hmm. And, um, nobody told me, but I thought there some parallels to, 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 Trump. I mean, I think, you know, mm-hmm. saw that American. Whether that's true or not, it is absolutely true that Trump stands up and says, you know, when when he says, "I'm your guy. I can save you. I can I can take care of all of your misery and all your problems." And, right. You know, we'll steamroll all of these people that are trying when they're when they're trying to hurt me. They're trying to hurt you. Yeah. I mean, that explicit. That's that playbook. I mean, straight ahead. Yeah. Why does that, why do you think, you know, between your research and just, you know, wisdom of living through life, why do you think that continues to work? Even though we're supposedly, you know, more educated, we got more access to information than ever before, but that, this, this flim flam, you know, to to use the subtitle of your book, like, why does, why does it keep working? Well, when you say access to information, but um, how do you tell what information from what information? It's just, yeah. Yeah, and it, then it's a, a shitstorm, and you can't tell what you don't know what's what's real. Yeah, but you know, people have wanted to wanted to believe something that's going to take them out of themselves forever. And they always they always will, you know. There, um, whether it's um, somebody with their interests at heart or not, there are. I mean, I don't have to tell you. There are always people who just want to hand their heads over to somebody else and say, oh, you know, just yeah. take care it's of me. E- yeah, you're right. Absolutely. It's easier to uh, it's easier to trust or just put your hope in something than sometimes do your own research. Um, you know, we've talked. I don't know if you're familiar. Uh, <clears throat> and we've talked about Trump in the past. Scott Adams wrote. I think this was actually before Trump, his first election, but just his persuasion skills. And to me, they are skills regardless. Um, Showman, he's persuasive. And, but there's a lot of comparison when I think about the book and reading through it, as you mentioned, there's a lot of similarities in his ability to get people to empathize with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get people on his side to feel empathy when he is uh, at fault uh, or, you know, trying to get people on his side and also just persuading people. Just, I mean, I've listened to some of his radio ads and um, Sean, we may be before the segments out, I've got some queued up here. We might just listen to a snippet, um, but some of them are very, uh, very effective. Um, but you have to be, I think, the fact that he's so the way he speaks is speaks is so simple and there's a lot of similarities to that in the persuasion method like the um you know the trump or the you know anybody that is good at that 
really gets down onto the base level, the very simple level of people's mind. Because people don't like to deal with complex. They like a simple answer, right? You've got to give them a simple answer. And sometimes when you're trying to tell the truth, you can sometimes make it more complex than it needs to be. And it gets really convoluted because there's never a real simple answer. It's typically the truth is pretty complex, but, uh, but we don't want to think that we want the simple answer to everything and we'll gravitate towards those people who give us what we want. Right. You bet. Yeah. Yeah. We want the pill, the surgery in this case. Yeah. I mean, heaven forbid we have to change our lifestyle in any way. Right. So, I mean, Bernie Madoff was kind of a similar thing, right? It's like, um, you know, he, he wasn't as much of a showman. I think his was more a little bit behind the scenes and referrals and, and that kind of stuff. But, um, you guys know Carl Bernays, I assume. Um, he, so he, he, um, was um, developed some early advertising techniques in the twenties, mm-hmm. uh, for um, and uh, Goebbels adapted some of them oh. for uh, you know for his propaganda. Mm-hmm. There's it, it, on a mass scale, uh, you know, operated by the wrong people on a mass scale. You can take some um, perfectly legitimate techniques and then just sort of bend them. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, into then you've got the, the fascism beam going. You know, yeah, it's like a gun in the wrong hands. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So, go ahead, Jonathan. No, I'm just thinking of um, the greatest showman. What's the uh, PT Barnum? PT Barnum. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of who comes to mind as well. Um, I know that. Uh, I've got a book on P.T. Barnum. It's been years, though, since I've looked through it. But, you know, he was the great showman. And so a lot of people attribute the, uh, you know, a lot of his characteristics or just the way he went about things. Everything was big. You know, Alfred Hitchcock, pretty similar, you know, back in the day when he would promote movies like Psycho. It was like everything was show, you know, you had to present a show. You had to, you know, go beyond, you know, just presenting the product. It had to be done the right way to get people in the seats. Yeah. So, so Pope, what do you think was like, if you could just boil it down to like two or three key things that made Brinkley, you know, successful as far as like his, his ability to, to influence, because that's what, you know, persuade. What do you think those, those kind of three things were? Well, he, he was a visionary. He, he saw things. He, his his radio station was he had the fourth radio station in America. I mean he he saw it right away. You know that was, I, I can do something with this. And he when when people were just going what what's uh, he he was right on it. He said I can do something with this. Um, he was um, he was he was just amazingly energetic and um, courageous and totally without scruples. So I can put all that together. I, I have, I have tremendous respect for his um, intellect as ghastly as his uh, moral principles were. Yeah. yeah. He had a hell of a brain. Yeah. And yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's lessons you can take from, from anybody's rise 
you know, to fame and fortune and power, you know, regardless of how they got there. I think there's, there's always lessons you can learn. Um, so Pope, are you working on anything new or? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a different, um, well, somewhat different thing. It's uh, uh, 18th century London. So it's a whole different world. Uh, but, but um, uh, one of the main characters is the uh, father of pornography. So, you know, um, He's he, he yeah he is an interesting character he's he's good wow all the way back to the eighteen hundreds huh <laughs> not, yeah we well that. nothing new under the sun right I mean that's right that's right, that's right. Uh, Pope it's been a pleasure so I'm curious how did uh, how did this book last question how did this book maybe change did this book change you in any way like just from start to finish. <laughs> In the process of writing it or just yeah. the... No, the process of writing it. Like, how does that work for, I mean, a writer? Because, I mean, this is different. When you're writing about somebody else's life and a biography, yeah. I mean, you're. You, it's almost like you become, I mean, you kind of develop almost like a, a friendship, I mean, like, so to speak, or a, a kind of a, an acquaintance with that person. Um, how did it change you, though? How, I mean, did you become more sympathetic with, the, with this character as you you know progress from start to no, finish or? No, no. respect, respect is, okay. is different you know yeah. from sympathetic yeah okay uh, but i i did gain a lot more respect than i expected to mm-hmm. have by by the end of it his combination of his uh his uh chutzpah and um yeah his talents absolutely very cool well Pope it has been a pleasure thanks for uh, joining us uh, on the show this is uh, it's a fantastic read I recommend like anybody out there who hasn't it's it's a great biography um, it's actually written really well like a I mean, like a story, like you're, I mean, you're just kind of following through. There's a lot of drama in it. And, um, you know, with the, uh, with Morris, the fish the guy, the guy that's really trying to go after him. And, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting character. Um, I, I was, I was lucky in the sense that it came down to the classic courtroom confrontation. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. All the, uh, all the elements of a good TV drama or movie yeah, drama, you know? Um, right. So that was, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to have to check out the documentary too. I see it's available on prime. Yep. Um, yeah, sure. So I'll have to check that out as well. Just yeah, to, please do. Yeah, uh, I really appreciate you having me having me on. Hey, thanks, thanks so much, Pope. It's been a pleasure having you on, and uh, appreciate your time today. Okay, okay. we let me know when it's all cut yeah, together. Sure, will we'll be sending you a link once uh, once we have it published next week, and um, and you're free to uh, share it with whoever. Terrific. Thanks a lot, guys. Okay. All right. Thanks, Pope. Yep. See you. That's good. Yeah, good stuff. All right, Sean, just for our listeners, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I've got some of these queued up. Okay, cool. On, and I've got it Bluetooth. Let's see. Let's hear a a live, or not a live, but let's hear an old-time radio ad of Dr. John Brinkley. Before I proceed with my talk, there is a thought that I want to leave with you, and that is this. These books, these doctor books, discussing our work, discussing your health, discussing your disease, are limited in number, and they are going fast. 
when the present supply is exhausted, I will not have any more to give away. I'm asking you to get your order in at once for a free copy of this book containing questions for men to answer, questions for women to answer. They are private questions about your health. Answer them truthfully. Return them to Brinkley Hospital, Little Rock, Arkansas. And we will look them over and write you and tell you without obligation what we think you should do. Wow. In this book. <laughs> that's some. <laughs> that's good. Like that's, I mean, that's, a, that's today's version of like a quiz. You see all the quizzes online for yeah. Yeah, supplements and everything yeah, else. You got to fill this out to see if you qualify and we'll tell you what, what you need to be doing. So even back then it was like, there wasn't, it wasn't a cell directly like, this surgery, I mean, there was a step process, you know, you sell it, you, you get the book and you read it. And if you qualify, you, you know, there's a, there's a qualification process that you go through. So, wow. That's, that's pretty brilliant. I mean, like, you know, just to, to step them through and, and the level of commitment, right. To fill out the answers, to mail it back. Like people think it's hard to get people to click a Facebook ad. Like <laughs> you got to get somebody to call in yeah. or write in asking for the book they get the you know two weeks later the book shows up then they got to fill the book out then they got to mail it back then they got to wait for the response you know it's that's a lot of hoops to jump through um yep. and people today are like oh yeah you know don't want to write an ad i know yeah <laughs> I mean, we, we're, we've gotten lazy for sure. Very lazy. Yeah. And notice the, the scarcity in that that's going, I mean, like we don't have many, there's, there's limited number. So yeah, you better act now if you want it. Yeah. yeah and it's like, like he wasn't a great speaker, no. you know, but I mean, back then, you know, that's pretty much how all radio sounded. It was kind of that mm-hmm. sounds like a lot of this politician speeches you hear from that time, yep. you know, as well. So that yep. kind of broken staccato mm-hmm. type delivery, that was just the way people talked back then. Right. Um, but it, you know, I think it's like the tone is very calm and level headed, you know, it wasn't super hypey. No, it's just a matter uh, of fact. It sounds, yeah. Good. Yeah. It's just, I <laughs> like, Oh, we want to help you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds like so, a professional. You know, here's what you need to do. And and I love how they he he offered for both men and women. So if the wife was listening, yeah. she could ask for the women's book. If the husband was listening, to, you know, or the Absolutely. guy was listening, you know, that was, you know, a lot of people might have done one or the other, right. or just done men because that's who they were targeting. Mm-hmm. But to have a book available for the for the women, uh, pretty smart. Yeah. Very much. I'd love to know how many of each got requested. <laughs> that would be an interesting, uh, yeah. interesting thing to dig up. So yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to watch that uh, documentary this weekend. Yeah, and me too. I, I didn't realize it was on prime. So that's, that's going to be must like two ninety nine on prime, but three bucks. I can, yeah. I can swing it. Okay. Uh, got a 7.1 out of 10. So interesting. Uh, well, how long it is. It doesn't say how, how long it is. Oh, one hour, and 19 minutes. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. And it, it won a Sundance film festival award. So uh-huh. yeah. must be pretty decent. So, um, Hey, can we switch gears? And, uh, yeah, can absolutely. I show you some of this stuff that open AI is cranking out as we yeah, wrap up? This, this sounds really good. All right. So OpenAI has just 
throwing their hat in the ring for video. Okay. Um, so this is really going to be something if you're, if you go to our YouTube channel and, and watch this episode on the YouTube channel, mm-hmm. um, or you can go to openaicom slash Sora S O R A S O R A. So that's, that's the video version of like Dolly basically. Yep. Right. So here is kind of their website where they're talking about it. Um, and here is, uh, here's one of the videos. I can get it to load. <clears throat> Internet's a little slow. Let me refresh the page. All right. And, yeah. and this is not available yet to, I mean, it's. So not yet. So here's the prompt. This is, um, here's the prompt. The whole prompt is, is like, uh, you know, one, two, three, four sentences, yeah. five sentences. Um, for our listeners, I'll just read it. A stylish woman walks down a Tokyo street filled with warm, glowing neon and animated city signage. She wears black leather jacket, a long red dress and black boots, carries a black purse. She wears sunglasses and red lipstick. She walks confidently and casually. The street is damp and reflective, creating a mirror effect of the colorful lights. Many pedestrians walk about. Wow. Um, and then here's the clip. Doesn't have any sound. It's like B-roll footage, basically. This is a 60-second clip that it created. It's kind of slow motion, but it's it's like um, it's not animated. It's actual. It looks like actual video footage that you yeah. would take with a with a camera, and the camera is moving. It's you know, it's kind of panning around her as she walks. This is all created with AI. That's amazing. Just from that prompt, there's no. You know, there's, there's no cameraman. There's no nothing going on here. Jump wow. cuts. Look at that. Um, catching the reflection in her sunglasses. Didn't for that, though. Yeah. It didn't prompt it to add those. Uh, those you had to add cuts. the cuts and, the you know, getting the reflection in the sunglasses. You know, it just kind of seems to know what makes kind of an interesting video. Here's one um, with woolly mammoths walking through the the wilderness so obviously that's you know not real because <laughs> these are woolly mammoths <laughs> and that's like a 10 second clip um here's another one of a you know a guy walking on it's a movie trailer of a 30 year old spaceman wearing a red wool knitted motorcycle helmet oh, i mean wow. these are these look like somebody set up a film set and recorded and it's from a text prompt and it's original footage wow like it's not piecing together old other footages. It's creating this somehow. Um, here's a drone footage of a lighthouse on a, you know, on, a, on the ocean with the waves and everything else. Like, and here's what's, and here's like an animated little furry guy playing with a candle, a little fluffy monster. Now I was like, Oh, these are kind of cool. And then I kept reading the website. Here's, um, his quote, historical footage of a California during the gold rush. So here's a full color video of California during the gold rush. Wow. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. And then, um, this was what blew me away. So as I was looking at this stuff, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, blah, 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 you know, but I get down to the, to the, where was it? I saw that. Uh, all videos on this page were generated directly 
by sore without modification. <laughs> wow. So like literally that prompt made that entire scene apparently without modification. Movie and this is going to be dead in 10 years. I mean, this is like, like well, it'll be I mean, different for sure. Like can you imagine I mean, if you're if you're someone in Hollywood right now and you're looking at this and you're thinking Okay. I mean, this is going to be a while, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. But, no, but I mean, they, they've already started rolling it out to certain artists and some other people to kind of test it and uh, things like that. So they, they have, it is now outside of open AI mm-hmm. for some beta testers, but you know, I can see this like, you know, you know, all the YouTube videos that have the B roll footage with the, you know, the, the track over it. Um, you know, there are, there are tools like, um, I can't remember the name of them right now, but there's some video tools that have tried to do this in the past where you put in a script and it tries to find B-roll. It kind of matches up to your script and right. they're not very good. They were clunky. This seems like a huge leap forward, yeah. you know, to be able to do that. I mean, string together eight or 10 of these clips with, with eight or 10 prompts. Amazing. And, you know, I mean, take chat GBT and then write, you know, you'll be able to say, Hey, storyboard me something yeah. based on this script right? that I can then plug into Sora and it's going to know exactly what kind of prompts it needs. You take the script, take the prompts, put it in Sora. Next thing you know, you've got eight videos, splice them together, that's, which I'm sure, incredible. you know, some, some tool will be able to do that. They'll be done for you tools within probably six months from now, I bet. Um, so video editors, you know, you thought you were safe. <laughs> Video actors. Uh, you better start learning how to use it. Um, actors. Yeah, because if they're just literally making up, I mean, no, it's like what's crazy is how realistic it looks. Yeah, like you know, it's not. I mean, yeah, it's it's just mind blowing. Change. I mean, so many industries will be affected. Yeah. Advertising. You know, commercials, video, yeah. videographers. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, people um, creating their own films. Like, I mean, it's pretty, pretty incredible. Yep. Hey, one last thing, because um, we're going to, we're going to take a break next week. I've got jury yeah. duty. Yep. So we're not going to be able to record next week. So we'll be in a courthouse. I wanted to just real mention, mention real quick, the Super Bowl, which was last week. Oh, yeah. yeah. After recording this. Yep. I sent you, Jonathan, um, the thing about uh, Kanye's commercial. Yep. Did you see it when it aired? I did. Well, I didn't see it when it aired. I saw the uh, the link you sent me. I missed that one. Yeah, I did too. I didn't see it, but apparently enough people saw it. Um, so the Kanye, if you don't know, Kanye had a video, and it was literally a handheld selfie video, like in the back of a car. Yep. Um, production budget of zero according to the article yeah. so he just paid for the, the spot seven million dollars for the for the spot right and they got over two hundred thousand orders for his yeezys and made 19 million dollars there you go we were talking last week on the last episode about roi of super bowl ads yep. seven million dollar for the so spot. what's that almost three to one uh roi on that fantastic so pretty wide and literally made it with a, you know, a handheld with an iPhone handheld selfie video. Yeah. Uh, 
which is crazy. It's like, hey, we don't have any money left for the ad, so <laughs> go buy our stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's just pretty it was right. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. Hey. <laughs> so uh, yeah, if you're out there overthinking your ad campaigns, that's a good one to go watch. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, he has a lot of. You know, he has a lot of followers. He has a lot of other stuff that makes that work. Right. Um, But still, it just goes to show, you know, it's very Ryan Reynolds. Like, you know, it's like, just put something out and roll the dice, man. And you got the money. Yep. We don't all have $7 million, but he does. So why not? And you have the, you know, to his credit, you've got the platform. You've got, I mean, everyone knows Kanye. So. Yeah. Love him or hate him. uh, You know. Yeah. He's created created a kind of a a divisive type audience here. Some people, like you said, some people are, they can't stand him, but some people love him. You know, he put it, he inserted himself in the last election talking about running for as a uh, presidential candidate. And then, you know, he's sparked all kinds of controversy. So I think it's worked yeah. in his favor. Yeah. He's, you know, doing just enough to kind of stay in the public yeah. light yeah, and run a Super Bowl ad and sell $19 million worth of Yeezys. Yep. So it's crazy. That's it's, incredible. it's a, yeah, I, I can, can you imagine like CBS getting that? Or, you know, the, his account rep or whoever, it's like, are you sure this is the, this is, this is the right want? video? This is it. <laughs> oh yeah. Is this, yeah, that's it. You sure. This isn't like what you were telling your team you needed. Like this is the video. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Um, but it is I, I mean, to see something like that. Everything is, you know, super, it's kind of like, you know, uh, pattern interruption, you know, like yeah. you're watching, cause I, mean, I didn't see it, but I saw some other commercials. So I missed this spot, but you're seeing all of these other high production type commercials. And then all of a sudden you hit that and it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Your screen goes from widescreen down to the, you know, What's the going on here. Yeah. It's yeah. like, Oh, so it does get your yeah. attention in that way. It's completely different. Yeah. Talk about, you know, big goat nuts. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty much it. Yeah. So well, there you go. We wrapped up full circle there. So, all right. Very good. Well, that's a great show. I'm going to check out, uh, speaking of nuts, I'm going to be checking out that documentary this weekend yep. and, uh, we'll be posting a link, uh, where people can find the book charlatan. Great. Having Pope on and, uh, Sean, this is good. Good episode. Minus the technical stuff at the beginning. Yeah. Hey, we made it through though. That's right cool all right well to all of our listeners as sean mentioned he's got uh he does have court duty next week so we'll be taking off next week we'll be back the week after hope everyone has a great week and uh you can find us over at persuasion by the pint.com you can find us on all of your platforms check us out leave us five stars if you like it and uh, we'll talk to you guys again very soon see you